In such a time as this, we've finally gotten to the point of the story where the <laughs> plot has been laid out and the the plot to get rid of that plot is now in motion. The the banquet has been requested and now uh, we're moving forward with uh, Esther's plan now. It's the part you're, more, you're probably more familiar with because yeah. these are the parts that are just in scripture. You got to do so much searching to when you go back into history to figure out what in the yeah. world's going on here and, <laughs> and why is it happening. All course. kinds of plots all over the place. And, of course, we're so thankful for folks like Vanessa and James who called in uh, $30, Deborah who called in $100, Tracy 50 Scott 100 and, you know, on and on and on. This is that time, the season for Purim. It's a time of giving, a time of celebration, rejoicing for God's deliverance and yes. how God supplies our needs. And, of course, for us, because things get lower at this time of year, it's a uh, time for us just to, as a reminder, just, you know, have you given lately? Are you sure you get, your gift is going through? Right. And, and if you maybe uh, skipped or didn't give, that's, you know, that impacts us. Uh, so there you go. Or maybe you could make up for what someone else didn't do. It's... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that time, so I want to make that appeal as we are uh, teaching on Perm today. It's uh, 770-781-9150. You get to talk to Kelly. That's always a good beginning to your day. Or you can go online at victory.radio if you're in a hurry. And we'll take care of it that way, too. So... Just gathering you back here. We're breaking down the details of Purim, the story. Esther had asked Mordecai to gather all the Jews of the city. They fasted and prayed and for three days before she approached the king. And on the third day, Esther asked the king, Haman, to both join her for a feast. That was all she wanted. At the feast, king offered to give her anything she desired, and she says, no, 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 no. I just would like to give you another feast. So uh, she had a pretty good plan, obviously. So timing is everything in the kingdom of God. And for us, sometimes it's thinking, this is just not working for me. But this is how the kingdom works. And that night, two critical things happen. Haman's wife convinced him to prepare a way to kill Mordecai immediately. So not only does he want to kill everyone, he now doesn't even want to wait. Yeah, he doesn't want to wait for the lots he threw anymore. And he's only gone, you know, it's it's not long at all. It's not even out of the month. So a matter of days or weeks. And so he says, okay, the king couldn't sleep either. So Haman's wife is awake, the king's awake, and he does some late night reading. He realized that he had never rewarded Mordecai for saving his wife life. And now he doesn't know who Mordecai is. Mm-hmm. He just know this guy saved his life. So without revealing who was to be honored, the king asked Haman, he said, hey, <laughs> how do I honor such a man? And he said, well, well of course you dress him in your robes. You, you make him like the king because, you know, he's got he a He thought a he issue. was talking about him. And he said, and then you take this guy in your robes, you parade him around town riding the king's horse and shouting that he was worthy of great honor. And you got to love God's sense of humor in this one, right? <laughs> so the king took his advice and commanded Haman to honor Mordecai in that way. So the day he wants to hang it to kill him is the day he has to parade him around on this horse. So Haman is horribly humiliated by the parade, mainly because of being forced to dress Mordecai and honor him. Now, if you remember, I remember I told you the other issue in this guy's life is his heritage tracks back to Esau. And you remember how Jacob tricked Esau Mm -hmm. and his father? He dressed up like Esau. And right. Jacob got the blessing. So you can imagine 
of all the things you want to push his button, just make him dress somebody else up in the way you wanted to be. Oh, the symmetry. Yeah, it's, uh. it's bizarre when you really track back the things. So um, this is pushes every button that could be pushed. So Heyman left the banquet and saw Mordecai again, still refusing to bow. And Heyman became enraged to ease him, his wife suggested, setting up that very high pole and asking the king to have Mordecai impaled on it. So... Many translations still use the word gallows, so if yours does, it just means that they're just, you know, very traditional. Yeah, the famous song, too, you know, it doesn't help. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But implying that Mordecai would have a a rope around his neck and be hanging like in the Old West, unfortunately, that method of execution wouldn't be used until the 1700s, well over 2,000 years after these events. So, yeah, it's it's just uh, tradition. But impalement was the common method of execution in Mesopotamia in the time of Abraham. It was in Egypt in the time of Moses. Likewise, the Assyrians, the Medes, the Persians all impaled thousands of prisoners. Many drawings show this quite clearly. Like the torture of crucifixion one day, prisoners were impaled, so they were kept alive, suffering for many hours or even days. So Mm. it is a very cruel way to kill someone. So there were no gallows built by Haman. Instead, this 50-foot tree trunk sharpened on one end. That may have eased his anger, but that night at the second feast, things got much worse for Haman. It did not go his way. Esther revealed to the king that she was Jewish and that Haman would annihilate her and her people because he had commanded it to be so. And the king is, imagine this, he is so overwhelmed that he had to step out of the room even to speak, so he's beyond angry. Now Haman, who was beyond angry, suddenly falls onto Esther's couch to beg for mercy. (laughs) Wrong place to be. So the king returned, saw Haman now so close to Esther, oh my, enraged the king even more. At that point, the king had Haman's face covered, which meant the king was far past upset. In other words, I can't even look at I you. I don't even want to see your Cover face. Cover your face. Yeah. Then, Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said a pole reaching to the height of 50 cubits stand by, stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. And the king says, impale him on it. Really? So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. I bet that's that would do it right there. It was a horrible way to die. So Haman def- definitely got his punishment. Haman's executed on Passover, of all things. So that same day, the king gave... Esther Haman's estate appointed Mordecai as the new prime minister. How things flip. Now, the problem becomes the solution. Since the law of the Medes and Persians cannot be rescinded, Haman's decree could not be revoked. So you still have this law saying in a year's time or in 11 months' time, everyone can kill the Jews, take all their property. So King Xerxes issued a second decree granting the Jews the right to defend themselves against their enemies using the exact same language Haman used to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any nationality who might attack them. But they had to wait nine months for that date to arrive now. So, Esther chapter 8. And Mordecai left the king's presence wearing a royal garment of blue and white, a large golden crown, shawl of fine linen and purple wool, and the city of Shushan celebrated and rejoiced. For the Jews, there was light and happiness, joy and prestige. And in every province, province and city to which the king's edict and law reached, there was happiness and joy for the Jews. A celebration and a holiday. Many of the Gentiles converted to Judaism for fear of the Jews had fallen upon them. <laughs> Gotta remember that too for as we get into the end times. 
When the 13th of Adar arrived, the Jews mobilized in every city and won a great victory, killing 75,000 of their enemies. On the 14th of Adar today, they rested and celebrated. In the capital city of Shushan, they took one more day to finish the job, including impaling Haman's ten sons. So... Let me remind you of God's word in Deuteronomy 25, because this is, for me, one of the cool parts. You shall blot out the name of Amalek mm. from under heaven. Do not forget. So the Israelites did a terrible job of blotting out Amalek's name, because here they are a thousand years later, right? He grew stronger. Then the task was given to King Saul to finish the job. Not only did he fail, but an Amalekite eventually killed him. Now, if God says don't forget, he won't forget either. And in this case, God remembered and added this sweet little dose of irony now, if you recall, I told you some names and things and lineages before, and I said, don't forget this. So King Saul was a Benjaminite. He comes from the line of Benjamin, the son of Kish. So you might remember when I tell you the lineage of Hadassah, Esther, and Mordecai, they were also Benjamites. And amazingly, they were also from the line of Kish. So God even used Saul's ancestors to fulfill what he failed to do. Mm. Only God would uh, do it in such a clever way. I think it's just a little bit mind-blowing for me. So The, the symmetry always comes back, and, yeah. and it's, it's beautiful.